0: You are listening to Feast Radio, bringing God's love and grace on air. Listen to significant and heartfelt messages you can reflect on and pray about. May this message help prepare you to face challenges, follow your dreams, and open yourself up to God's unlimited blessings. Amen, amen, we're claiming healing. And goodness from the Lord today and onwards. Amen. We welcome you to the feast. Welcome, everybody. Welcome home. Welcome to the family. Thank you for being one with us. And those who are watching online, you are one with us. You are one with our family. In the next few weeks, this is our home in Plenary Hall. Abangan nyo yung mga susunod na announcements. We're gonna have some movements, trust your leaders, and we're going through many things. But our church, our family continues, and it will not happen without the people of God gathered in this place. So again, we honor you. We love you. Thank you for being one with us. Can you greet the people around you? Sige na, bihira lang to ulit. Tingnan mo sila, sabihin mo sa kanila, Welcome home! Welcome home, welcome home, welcome home, welcome home And I want you to be very expectant. Those who are online, if you're watching us also in replay, the same blessings that we're receiving here, the same energy, spirit is also with you. Believe it and claim it. And for everybody in this place, I encourage you as we open up ourselves to the Word of God, I encourage you to pray. We pray for openness. Pray for strength to receive and to hear and to listen. Most of the time, we come here because we have prayers, intentions, dreams that we want to be fulfilled. Amen? Who's who's here for those intentions? Raise your hand. Yes? Good. I too have some intentions. But today, sometimes, from time to time, I want you to remember also and be encouraged that when you come before the Lord, try to come with nothing at all. Because His ways are better our ways. His mind, His wisdom is beyond our understanding. Today, try it. Try that. When you come before the Lord, when you listen before the Lord, Lord, I'm not thinking of anything. Lord, I'm not praying for anything. All I want is You. All I want is Your Spirit. I want Your energy, Your revival. Come, Lord, come. And You have nothing but Yourself offered unto the Lord receive Him fully today. Can you try that today? Yes. Amen. All right. Let's pray our prayer in our feast. And I want you to be that expectant and open. And as we pray together, are you ready? In the name of the Father and of the Son of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Today, I receive all of God's love for me. Louder. limitless, overflowing abundance of God's universe. Today, I open myself to God's blessings, healing, and miracles. Today, I open myself to God's Word, so I would become more like Jesus every day. Shout it! That I am God's beloved. I am God's servant. I am God's powerful champion. And because I am blessed, I am blessing the world in Jesus' name. Amen. Put your hands to your heart and have that moment with the Lord. I trust you, Lord. I listen to you, Lord. I want to be with you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you believe it, palakpakan natin ng get ready. And one more big hand, please, to our dear founder and friend, Brother Bo Satches.
1: Didoi, thank you so much. Give a big hand to Didoy Lubaton and to our worship team. Amen. So good. Please be seated, everybody. Touch somebody body beside you. Tell that person God will speak to you today. Welcome home. Some of you are crying, some of you are hurting. Some of you are grieving. Some of you are celebrating. Some of you are very happy. But you belong here, both of you. This house welcomes everyone, no matter what color your shirt is. This house welcomes you. I want you to know that I have taken a stand, every single election I take a stand. People were asking me in the recent campaign, Brother Bo, why don't you take a stand? I told them, I always take a stand in every election. I take a stand for the house that was built in 1980, the first quote unquote feast though we did not call it feast yet then was in the garage of my parents house I was 14 years old in that very first feast I led that prayer meeting it is God's call for me to stand for that spiritual home that is now in 26 countries thousands of people call it their home I have no choice. In every election, I have to separate my personal choice from my public persona. Why? Because I've got children. Many children. And I encourage them to wear a political collar, to discern well, and even to campaign, and to go out into the streets. And when my daughter, who wears pink, and my son, who wears red, tells me, Tay! Nay! Sama ka! I tell my son and my daughter, thousands of them, ako yung nanay. Kailangan may taong bahay. Kasi darating ang araw, tapos na ang kampanya tapos nang na election at uuwi kayo sugatan uuwi kayo gutom uuwi kayo pagod na pagod yung iba masayang masaya sino'ng papakain kailangan may magluto i stand by this house it's a very difficult choice To stay nonpartisan the whole time. Every single election. I came to know Jesus when I was 12. I started serving when I was 13. We started the community. This feast, when I was 14 years old, I'm 55, do the math. I'm an old man. I've experienced regime changes. I've experienced elections. I stand by the same house that this house is your safe place. And all those doors are open for anyone, no matter what color your shirt is. Why? Naanay ako. You are still my child. And my dear friend, two last things to say before I begin my talk. Hindi patatok? <laughs> Yung mga sugatan. Yung mga malungkot na malungkot. Halika, yakapin kita. I want to weep with you. I want to grieve with you. I really do. Because I love you. I feel what you feel. And I'm praying for you. I really do. Yung mga masaya, yung mga nagsicelebrate kasi napagod sila sa mga rallies and their candidate won. I want you to know, I celebrate with you. Why? Anak rin kita. Anak rin kita. And you know what? That's what democracy is. A person walks with two legs. Kailangan dalawa eh. Administration, opposition. Hindi pwedeng isa lang. So both of you are needed to build this country. Both of you. Behind your shirt. Behind the pink shirt. Behind the red shirt. Behind the technicolor shirt. We are all children of God. We all are. And so I invite you to look at that person beside you as your brother and your sister in Christ that person is made in his image a god carrier ang panginoon sa kanya respect that person and treat that person as the house of god No more name-calling. No more demeaning. No more bullying. No more looking down at the other person. Kapatid mo yan. Ako ay isang nanay na lumuluhod sa harapan ng aking mga anak. Please, mahalin niyo isa tisa. Bahay natin to. Are you ready? Let's all stand. Today I want to preach the message, there are blessings at the bottom. Can everybody say that with me? Welcome to the book of Jonah, talk three, and we are in this chapter where he gets swallowed up. Tell somebody beside you, there are, blessings at the bottom. there are blessings at the bottom. Can I invite you to pray? Put your hand over your chest. Everybody say, Jesus, speak to me more. Let your word do its work. Lift me up. Refresh me. Renew me by the power of your word. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. If you believe that God will speak to you today, give the Lord a big, big hand. (laughs) Please be seated. Everybody say that again. There are blessings at the bottom. (laughs) This principle, this truth, people have known for a long, long time. In the 14th century, there was this Italian poet by the name of Dante Alighieri. wrote the Divine Comedy, and this is what he said: "The path to paradise begins and thou in hell. hell." What does that mean? Ask me what. Wow. That many times, for someone to climb out of the pit, he must hit rock bottom. Can everybody say rock bottom? Yeah. Ilan, bottom you na experienced rock bottom. You've experienced rock bottom. Raise your hand. What is rock bottom? That place where there are no alternatives. That place where your pride disappears. That place where your stubbornness evaporates. That's where your deafness is healed. And maybe for the very first time in a long time, you start listening. Last year, I hit rock bottom. The memory is so fresh, it's as though it happened yesterday. It was the ninth day of battling COVID. There was an oxygen tube attached to my nose, an IV stuck in my arm. I remember I had diarrhea, severe diarrhea that every drop of moisture in my body I felt has been drained out, massive headache. My skull felt like it was inflamed. And as if that was not enough, I had 41 degree fever ravaging my body. And then my stomach turned ballistic. And I started vomiting. And so on, the, on that one night, I remember I was lying down already on the floor of our living room, could not take it anymore. I was hugging the little twin star stub of my wife, and I was puking all my acids there. At least I was puking in style. Sinasama ko ni Lala at Kiki, yun ang pangalan nila. And as I was just puking and puking and feeling, so I thought I was gonna die at that moment. In fact, I prayed and I said, Lord God, if this is how I'm going to die, take me. I prefer that you would let me live a little bit longer to enjoy my two sons and to be with my beautiful wife. But if you want me to go home, the answer is yes. I surrender. And at that moment, I realized something. Ask me what? All my achievements, all all the things that I have, all my resources, all the money, lahat ng nang ginawa ng buhay ko, you know what? It was of equal value as the vomit in that tub. I know it sounds gross, but I realized nothing that I valued mattered anymore at that moment when you know your life hung by a thread. And so I said, I surrender my kids to you that I will not see anymore. I surrender my wife to you. I surrender my loved ones to you. I surrender my work to you. I surrender this, I surrender that. I surrendered everything. And when I surrendered everything, there, I, I noticed there was this shift within me. And I felt I was in a different place. Yes, there was fever. Yes, there was migraine. Yes, there was vomiting. Yes, there was diarrhea. Yes, all my symptoms were still there. But OMG, I was so happy. I was so at peace. Because I found my surrendered place. It is true there are blessings at the bottom because God he spoke to me and he kept on speaking to me you see when you're at that moment you're very attentive and God spoke to me and God spoke to me and and there are blessings at the bottom and the greatest blessing is the blesser himself I found God at the bottom and I cannot tell you everything that he told me. I wrote it in my book, Find Your Surrendered Place, shameless plug. But just in case you think, even for a moment, that I am an expert and always now live in my surrendered place, that's not true. Every day I still struggle with trusting in God and surrendering my life to him. It's still a struggle. And I know I still have to struggle. Ask me why. Because I know that if I do not do that, God's going to get my attention again and He's going to allow me to hit another rock bottom and I'd want to avoid that. So I'm trying my best to listen to Him. But here's the point I want to share with you today. This is the story of Jonah because he hit bottom. And we're going to talk about that some more. But in the Bible, my dear friends, the Bible is a weird book. Accept it. This, this, is, this is it. You know, it's, it's, it's filled with people who, <laughs> I mean, think about it. You've got angels, you've got talking snakes, you've got people who rise from the dead. And then you've got sea monsters. Sea monsters. In the book of Jonah, the story is that a great fish swallowed Jonah. And in pop culture and in children's Bible books, the, the, the whale is a friendly whale. And, and in some books, that they give a name to the whale. Bob, Harry, Jules. And, and, and so Jonah you know, stays, you know, has a, has a three-day staycation inside the fish where he chats with God. But in reality, the original story is not very cute. Ask me why. Because this is an ancient book. You see the Bible was written in a different time different location different culture different language and because of that there's a lot of things that are lost in translation can you say those three words lost in translation If you want to understand the Bible you've got to understand that that it was written in a different language specifically Hebrew, Aramaic, Greek. It was written from a different culture, specifically ancient Israelite. And so to understand the Bible, you've got to understand what the author, the original author, was trying to say. And when when you think about loss in translation, teenagers, can you raise your hand if there are some teenagers in the house? Teenagers, have you ever this is my question to you. Have you ever tried to explain a meme to your parents? Ang hirap, ba? Oh my God. Now, by the way, this is not my problem. I'm always up to date, you know. I'm just kidding. A few years ago, not, not only a few years ago, many years ago, my boys were still tiny. I went to them. I went to my wife and I said, you know, you know, it's so bad. Why? Uh, they're so rude in, in, in their language now. Well, what's that? Oh, lol. They're cursing each other. What do you mean that? You know, my kids were bewildered. Look, what, what do you mean that? Lol. It, let, you know, you put you, you the letter U there and it's You know, my, my kids started laughing and they laughed for a whole month because I didn't get it. And that's only 30 years, right? Me and my kids, only 30 years. And so many things get lost in tra- translation. Imagine 2,000 to, 2, to 3,000 years. So what we need to do is recapture that. And, and that's basically what I'm sharing with you today. When we read the Bible, we've got to go back to those ancient times. And how did they write this? Last week, I told you, they wrote this. The author wrote this as a satire. What's a satire? A satire uses irony, humor, and exaggeration. To tell people this is stupidity. That's what a satire is. So if somebody gets reads the Bible, reads Jonah, and and says every detail here is history, you don't get it. You're not respecting the author. This is how the Holy Spirit inspired the author to write it. The Holy Spirit inspired him to write it as a satire. If you do not respect that, you're not respecting the Holy Spirit who inspired him. Do do you understand what I'm saying? Which brings me now to the second part of the message. And I'm going to be calling on Audie to do the more difficult part of explaining our talk. Good morning everyone.
2: Can we give a big hand to Brother Didoy and Brother Bo? I heard that wow. Because you know it's hard to follow after two towering guys. So. Ko na lang <laughs> How are you? Are you blessed that you're here? Can we give the Lord a big hand? God is good. Can you tell your neighbor right now, there's a blessing at the bottom? bottom. Yes, there is. There's a blessing at the bottom. To continue what Brother Bo has been preaching, I think it's so important for us to do this. We need to understand the context. Everybody say context. We need to understand the context of how the author Wrote this, like what was happening in his life. We always say this whenever you read the Bible, you know the point of view. Like, what was their worldview back then? How did they see the world? And it's very important because, you know, we can all certainly agree that how we view the world today is so much different with how they viewed the world centuries ago. Now we can travel the world. Now we've got YouTube. We've got the internet. We've got news all over, local and international. We even got fake news. So how we see the world today is so much different from how they saw the world back then. In fact, let me give you an example. Whenever you see... Stormy waters Or choppy waters Out in the ocean What's the first thing That you think of There is a Typhoon Or you know It's monsoon season Especially here in the country You know We're used to that It's mid-year here In the Philippines And so we know That there's something That's coming But to them Whenever there would be Stormy waters You know the first thing That they would think of Pre-creation The day that God created the world, that was the reference point because it says here, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and the earth was formless and empty. There was nothing. It was just darkness. And then darkness covered the deep waters and the Spirit of God was hovering over the surface of the waters. That's the reference point. Whenever they saw stormy waters, they would think pre-creation. There was chaos. There was nothing. There was darkness. So to the author who was writing this, nothing signified chaotic waters. And to them, you know, chaotic waters was something that they feared. Why? Because they did not know what was underneath the water. Unlike now, we can scuba dive. we, We see the documentaries. They did not know. And so they feared water. To them, water represented death. It represented darkness, but there is another reference point. Again, the story of creation, where it says, Then God said, let the water swarm with fish and other life. Let the skies be filled with birds of every kind. And then here it is. So God created great sea creatures and every living thing that scurries and swarms in the water and every bird, each producing offspring of the same kind. And God saw that it was good. And unlike when I was reading this, hold on. Great sea creatures, and they're good? Whenever I think of those words, great sea creatures, you know what I think of? I think of the Mosasaurus of, in Jurassic World. You remember that? That great big creature? When I think of the word great sea creatures, I think of the Megalodon. You know, that, 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 that prehistoric shark that can eat a whole boat. I think of, of, of the Kraken from the movie Pirates of the Caribbean. Yes, it might be a mythological figure, but guess what? They're not good. At least for the preservation of human life. You know, for the longevity of life. They're not good. And yet God says, and he saw that it was good. Quick lesson. Your definition of good is not the same as God's definition of good. So sometimes when you see a person that you don't like, that person is bad, God might think otherwise. Because God might say, I'm going to use that person. I'm going to use that person. You don't know what God's definition of good is. So it's so important for us, my friends, to always seek. Everybody say seek. Seek the truth from God's perspective. Not from our limited, weak, worldly perspective. That's so, so important right now. Especially right now with what's happening in our country. But let's continue. By this time, Jonah ends up in the belly of this great big fish. And then while he was inside, here's what Jonah does. He started... Praying, And then he says, he said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble. And he answered me. And I called out to you to the, from the land of the dead. And Lord, you heard me. And then he says this, You threw me into the ocean depths. And I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. And I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, Oh Lord, you have driven me from Your presence. You know, the first time that we preached this, we said that that Jonah was fighting with the Ninevites. Now we're finding out that Jonah was not actually fighting with the Ninevites; he was fighting with God Himself. This is this is Jonah saying, "You threw me; you have driven me from your presence. You threw me into the ocean depths." But then all of a sudden, Jonah says this: "Yet I will look once more." Toward your holy temple, as he was sinking down in that that watery grave, Jonah was still looking up at the holy temple of God, which is the highest point in dry ground. This is gonna be important in a minute. And then it says in verse five, I sank beneath the waves and the waters closed over me. I wonder how many people here feel like that right now. You feel as though the waves are crashing over your life and you're being buried in this watery grave. And then it says, seaweed wrapped itself around my head. He's like human sushi. And then I, he says, I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates lock shut forever. But you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. And my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false God turned their backs on all of God's mercies. And then Jonah says, but I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise and I will fulfill all my vows for my salvation. Shout, my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Let me give you very quickly the context of this prayer. It's a beautiful prayer, yes? But I want you to know that this is not an original prayer by Jonah. It's actually plagiarized. The author was plagiarizing. This is the beauty about the wisdom of the Bible is that when you read the Bible, don't just read it from the surface level, but do your research, you know, study. Because the author was pointing out something. Remember that this is the time, the ancient Jews, they knew their Bibles, the Hebrews. They knew the Bibles. They had it memorized. They understood it. They they took it to heart. And so if you are the reader of this particular passage in the Bible, you'd know this prayer sounds awfully familiar. I mean, I've heard this before. You know what he was pointing out to? He was linking it to the book of Psalms, a time when David was also fighting and running away from God. And so if you are the reader of, of, of this text, you're like, oh my goodness, Jonah is like David. This is how brilliant the author is. And one thing that I need to say, I love how the author inserted that prayer because one thing that it tells me is that Imagine, Jonah was inside the belly of this great big fish. I mean, it was complete darkness. Nothing, no light, no reading material. And yet, he knew that prayer. Why? Because it was here. He was close to God. That's why he knew the prayer. Here's the message. If you can get close to God this year, my friend, if you can get close to God's word and really have His word here in your heart, I'm telling you, you can be in the darkest of places and still find light and hope amidst all that darkness that you are in. So touch your neighbor and say, get close to God. Get close to God. God. But you know what? The one thing that that I think I need to point out is during this time, we already know that Jonah went down to Joppa. You, You remember that Jonah went down to Joppa because he wanted to run away from the Lord and then he went down in the boat to sleep. And now we see that Jonah went down again once more in the depths of the ocean. Now, I want you to know this. And are you listening? This is a very important point. In the Bible, the number three has a significance. Actually, in the Bible, every number has a significance. This is the third time that Jonah has gone down. He went down to Joppa. He went down in the boat. Now he's down in this watery grave. Now, the number three signifies this. It signifies new life. New beginnings. How many of you need new beginnings right now? New beginnings. That's also me. I'm preaching this to myself. I want you to hear this message, okay? Because this is so important. Jonah went down three times. Now, it says that on the third time, he went down into the belly of the whale. Now, I try to imagine this. I mean, myself. This is the lowest point that Jonah can ever get. I mean, can you imagine anything lower than this? You are human sushi. You are down in the belly of a whale. Just like those Filipino jokes, wala ka sa lolo ko. Lolo ko kumain ng isang dang sushi. Sabi ng isa, wala ka sa lolo ko. Lolo ko ginawa ang sushi nang isa. You imagine, this is the lowest. This is rock bottom for Jonah. I mean, it cannot get any lower than that. All because of Jonah's decision. Not because of God. Remember that it was Jonah who chose to disobey God. He chose to run away from God. He chose to go down into the boat and then sleep. And remember, Jonah was the the one who said, throw me into the water. Some of the things that you go through in life that are terrible, that are horrible, guess what? Sometimes it's not on God, it's on you. Because of the decisions that you make, it's on you, it's not on God. We need to stop blaming God for some of the things that happen in in our life because sometimes it's really on us. But one thing, one thing that, that shocked me is that while all of this was happening to Jonah, you would think you're in the belly of this great big fish and yet, did Jonah repent? Did Jonah have a little remorse? Some of you might say, yes, Brother Odi, because she said, you know, I will make sacrifices to you. I will, I will make a vow to you. Yes, that sounds like, it sounds like a repentance. But in reality, if you read forward and we're going to talk about this in the next few Sundays, Jonah doesn't even repent. He doesn't because his words were beautiful, but his actions did not align with his words. I truly believe this that the best way and the greatest way to show repentance is not through your lips, but through your life. When you show people that you are willing to change, that's true repentance. Because if you see that the person is not really changing, they just keep saying sorry, that's not real repentance. That's just lip service. I'll talk about this in a moment. Jonah did not repent, and yet, it says in verse 10, And then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out onto the beach. Hmm. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out into dry, dry ground. And I'm thinking, God gave Jonah a second chance? I've been wrestling with this question all week, and I hope that you can bear with me. Because when I was reading this, I'm like, Lord, are you sure you, you gave Jonah a second chance? You know that He disobeyed you. You know that He ran away from you. You know that He didn't even ask forgiveness from you. Is this how you operate, Lord? Is this a pattern by which of how you operate? Like, for instance, if I don't ask for forgiveness, you'll give me a second chance? I mean, that, that's, that's the thing that we're thinking about right, right now, right? And I, I kept questioning God. God, is this the way that you operate? And then it hit me. Like a freight train, it hit me. You know, in my 40 years of... Okay, 40 plus years, I'm sorry, just to be honest, 40 plus years of existence in this world. You know, I have done so many things in this life that I'm not, a, I'm not proud of. I have lied to people. I have cheated people. Believe it or not, I've even stolen from people. I've, I've backstabbed people. I've run out on friends. I've, I've done some, some very vile things that will make, will make you think twice about being my friend back then. But you know what? god continued to love me god continued to be there for me and you know what happened through that love that unconditional love it healed me and i became a better person little by little when you encounter the true love of god in your life you will not have any other choice but to change because when you keep receiving that love how many of you understand what i'm saying you encounter the powerful love of Jesus in your life and then it convicts you to want to change. That's the kind of love that God can give to us. And so yes, God will continue to give you a second chance until maybe this is the chance that you will accept his love and completely change for the better. And you know, when I was thinking of Jonah, Jonah must must, must have been so afraid of being in the belly of that great fish But you know, Jonah wasn't afraid of the fish. He wasn't. You know what he was afraid of? He said it. Jonah, instead of being afraid of the fish, he says in verse four, Oh Lord, you have driven me from your presence. Jonah was more afraid of being separated from his God. And you know, my friends, this is what I call a rock bottom moment. A rock bottom moment is when you feel like you've been abandoned by everybody, including God. When you feel like, Nobody's there with you anymore. That's a rock bottom moment. And I, I remember that there was somebody in the New Testament who also had a rock bottom moment. His name is Peter. Oh, Peter. Peter who denied Jesus three times, even though he said that he was going to be there for Jesus when Jesus needed him the most. And yet what happened after? That was the failure of Peter as a disciple. But yet what happened after? Jesus came to Peter on that shore That beautiful morning And get this That was the third time Number three That was the third time That Jesus showed himself to the apostles Peter's about to experience new life And new beginnings And so Peter He was fishing on a boat one day And Jesus had already risen from the dead But he showed himself already three times And then that morning Jesus hadn't even asked forgiveness yet Jesus comes up to Peter and says Peter, do you love me? And then Peter says, yes, Lord, I love you. And then he says, feed my lambs. This went on three times. Peter, do you love me? Do you love me? Then feed my lambs, feed my lambs, feed my lambs. You know what Jesus was doing? This is just my theory. For every time that Peter denied Jesus three times, Jesus had forgiveness for Peter three times. He said, Peter, I trust you. Now feed my lambs. Peter, I'll give you another chance. Now feed my lambs. My goodness, this is the God that we worship, my, my, my friends. A God who will continue to give you chance after chance after chance. But here's the thing. Before Peter could fulfill... The prophecy and the command that he would become the rock by which Jesus would build his church upon. He needed to go through a rock bottom moment and so did Jonah. Before Jonah could fulfill the command of God, he needed to first go through a rock bottom moment. Now I don't know who this message is for. You might be going through a rock bottom or maybe you're still there right now or you've been there there, and you know what I'm talking about. What is the purpose of you being in a rock-bottom moment? Here it is. Just like Peter who needed to go through a rock-bottom moment and Jonah who needed to go through a rock-bottom moment. You and I need to go through a rock-bottom. Ask me why. A little bit louder like you want to know. Why? So that we would know that, rock, that God is the rock at the bottom. That God is at the bottom. That there's a blessing at the bottom. Why is there a blessing at the bottom? Because the blesser is at the bottom. That's the purpose of a rock-bottom moment, my friend, so you would see, my goodness, God is here with me. I want to close. Can I invite you to stand? I'm going to close. I want to go back to that part where Jonah gets swallowed by this fish. It's in verse 17. It says, Now the Lord had arranged for... a f- great fish to swallow Jonah. And Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. We're talking about three days, three nights. Everybody say three days. Three days. days. It's important in the Bible to know three days. It signifies new life, new beginnings. Like for instance, the first day that God created the world, what did he create? He created light and darkness. And then the second day, God created the sky and the heavens. But on day three, God created something amazing. He created the seas. And then he created dry land, two places by which life could be sustained. God's earliest and first gift to all of us is dry ground, because that's where you can sustain life. And then three days later, three plus three equals six. Six. What did God create on the sixth day? Adam and Eve. He created new life. It was new beginnings. Number three signifies new life, new beginnings. But there is another meaning of the the, the number three on the third day. Everybody say third day. The third day describes something a little bit different. You've got new life, new beginnings, but the third day represents a time of testing. Can you say that? A time of testing. How many of you are in a time of testing right now? You're being tested in the waters. Yeah? Even if you don't raise your hand, God knows what you're going through. So it's a time of testing. For example, Abraham walked upward a mountain for three days. Why? Because God asked him to sacrifice his one and only son, Isaac. Imagine the time of testing for Abraham, your only son. And God asks me to sacrifice my son. I mean, can you imagine the, time, the, the kind of journey that Abraham, maybe it was a time of testing for Abraham. Another one who was tested, Noah. Noah, who had to take his family and witness the destruction of civilization, after 40 days and 40 nights, the rain finally stopped. And Noah sent out a dove out into the world to look for dry ground. You know how long it took for the bird? Three days until the bird confirmed there was dry ground, a time of testing. I'm glad that the bird came back, otherwise we wouldn't have birds because there would only be one bird left. (laughs) jonah he was in the belly of the whale of the fish for three days and three nights a time of testing and yet the most powerful example that we all know of is jesus jesus who was in the belly of the earth in that watery grave in the belly of the ground for three days and three nights not three nights three days actually when you think about it when you read scripture it's not three days it's not even 72 hours when the crucifixion happened. But the writers, because the third day was so meaningful to all of them, they just, you know, maybe rounded it off the three days so that they would know, this is pointing to something. This is pointing to something. Three days represents a time of testing. And I want to deliberately say this to everybody right now, because I believe that we are all in a time of testing. I mean, there are some things that happen in your life. Maybe not this week. Maybe not this year. Maybe even last year. where you lost some things. You lost a loved one. You lost a business. You lost an opportunity. Maybe you made some plans that did not work. How many of you had plans this year that you made but has not come to life yet? Raise your hand. Come on. God sees you. You had plans that you made that has not come to life yet? Here's the message of Jonah. This is the brilliance of the message of Jonah. Is that while you are in a time of testing, something is happening. We said that number three signifies new life, new beginnings. And I'm about to declare new life and new beginnings in your life right now. I hope and pray that you receive this. That in a time of testing, God is actually moving. Because after the time of testing is done, that's when the blessing comes. There's a blessing after the testing, but here's, before you clap your hands, before you clap your hands, here's the real message. Here's the real message. You had plans that you made this year, or maybe even last year. Maybe you invested your money in something and then you lost all that money. Maybe you invested your time and your love in a relationship and you broke up. I don't know what it is. Maybe you voted for a candidate in this election and then your candidate lost. I don't know what kind of plans that you had, but here's, here's the good news this is good news just because your plans failed you it doesn't mean that God's purpose failed too. come on because God still has a plan God still has a plan and you know what I'm choosing to trust God in this time of testing I'm choosing to trust God and to believe and declare that God can work all things for the good of those who love Him and who are called according to His purpose because God can do it. God can do it. God can turn what went wrong into what went right. God can do it. God can use even the most vile evil person in this world and still make him work for the good of the Lord. Are you with me? because God's got a plan God's got a plan can you shout that with me God's got a plan there's a blessing after the storm there's a blessing after the testing there's a blessing right at the bottom if you can only see the power of God that can transform our life so whatever it is that you're going through I want you to choose to trust God in the testing to choose to declare that He is a way maker. He makes ways whenever there is no way. He is a promise keeper. He will keep His promises until the end of our days. He is a life changer. You encounter Jesus and then your life is changed. He's a problem solver. You can be in the middle of your storm without any solution and then God swoops up and then gives you the answer. He's a way maker everybody. He's a way maker and I hope that you can declare that with me right now that even when we don't
1: see the plans, we believe in the one who makes the plans. Come on, everybody. Every Sunday is the most important election that you will ever, ever make. Every single Sunday, we ask people to vote for the candidate that all of us agree on that there is only one Savior that can save us. And that's why I invite you to vote for Jesus today. Do you believe that He is the King who died for you, who gave His whole life to you, and who is calling you to Himself to surrender and sacrifice your life for Him? If the answer is yes, pray this prayer with me. Put your hand over your chest as a symbol that you pray with all your heart and mean every word and say, Jesus, you are my Savior. I open my heart to you. Come in. Be my King. Be my Lord. I will serve you for the rest of my life. Forgive me for all my sins. I receive your eternal love.
0: In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. Subscribe to Feast Radio and open yourself to God's grace. For more podcasts like these, visit feast.ph radio.